Hello and welcome to Pod Ventures in Odyssey. I'm Emily. And I'm Tatiana. Every week we sit down to recap and discuss an episode of Adventures in Odyssey that we have just listened to. It, can you tell it's been a month since we've recorded? <laughs> we are going in album order, and today we are starting album six with the episode The Price of Freedom. We've gone from an album of, like, goofy villainy plot, and we're right back into, like, your regularly scheduled Odyssey, and we're kicking it off with one that is, like, a hard pivot from Blackguard Chronicles. Yeah, it takes a real serious turn in this one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was like, you want to have real-world feelings, guys? Because that's what we're in for today. We're in for some, like, really, really difficult subject matter. Yeah, I like, I honestly don't know how to feel about this episode or really what I want to say about it because it's so sticky. Like, there's good stuff in here, but, Mm -hmm. but. I know, but it's so hard. I feel like they, I feel like they did a good job handling what they know is a hard subject. Mm -hmm. Shall we say? Yeah. It's about the Vietnam War. Hey. All right. And we start off with Chris leading us in saying like, you know how we all have hobbies? Mine is baseball. Who knew that Chris's hobby was baseball? We do now. This is Chris Lore right here. Yeah, this is some real good Chris Lore. This is like adjacent to a Chris corner. We haven't had one in a long time. Mm-hmm. The little goofy sketch that Chris will sometimes do before an episode. This is like a Chris icebreaker. Yeah, that's to- oh yeah, that's a good word for it. There's totally a category of Chris content that is her basically doing an icebreaker. It's like, hey guys. I just, I'm going to do something real light to kind of lead you in and let you know what we're going to be talking about this episode. We all like stuff. I, for instance, like baseball and Kirk (laughs) McGinty. What? What does she say for you? And you might like, you know, sewing. And Kirk McGinty likes war. Okay. (laughs) It was a little, I mean, it was a little bit of a hard, (laughs) a hard intro there. She's like, yeah, he's super into like war and war stuff. He loves strategy. Mm-hmm. And uh, fades in on, like, sounds of a battle that Kirk is fantasizing about, starring in. Hearing that whole sequence, I thought he was either playing with friends, like make-believe, mm-hmm. or maybe having a dream. Right. Mm-hmm. Which, it's neither of those things. No, he's daydreaming. Um, this this whole episode kind of harkens back a little bit to The Day Independence Came, the Odyssey episode about the Revolutionary War, uh-huh. or the one that we've had so far, because there will be more. And I'm, I'm kind of vaguely recalling what we talked about in that one, and one of the things I remember pointing out is that the further back in the past a war is, the easier it is to imagine it as being a fun adventure. And uh, Odyssey's taking place in, like, the late 80s. Mm-hmm. And Vietnam War is not super far in the past from that, so... It's very interesting talking about it now because it is basically as far in the past for us now as I think World War One was for them, I want to say. Mental math. It's like right between how long ago World War One and World War Two were mm-hmm. from this time when the episode was recorded. Mm-hmm. Nobody's going to nickel and dime us on that. <laughs> and come to think of it, I feel like with World War II at least, I feel like it's more easy to fantasize about that war because it has pretty clear-cut moral lines. Right. And World War One is like has basically reached that point in our history where it's like far enough in the past 
that you can kind of imagine, I don't know, you, you can do some imaginative play with it and not feel too closely connected to it as a cultural event. I yeah. mean, for good or ill, I'm not saying this is like an okay thing to do or that it's like wrong if you're a kid who loves pretending to be a soldier, you know? It's just there's some something psychologically is going on there that makes it more fun or less fun. Mm-hmm. Unclear what kind of war Kirk is in, although in his fantasy he throws a grenade into a bunker, which I thought was pretty dark. I also thought that, and I wasn't sure if he was pretending to be his dad or playing as himself. Yeah, because I think they just, they say, what, Captain McGinty? Uh-huh. So, yeah, unclear, unclear. But anyways, he's pulled out of this fantasy by his teacher, who's like, hey, Earth to Kirk. Mm-hmm. Want to rejoin the class? Uh-huh, children laugh at him. Uh, and the teacher compliments him on the report on the Vietnam War that he did. Or, like, pseudo-compliments. He, he gives a sort of backhanded compliment. I oh, thought it was very interesting. Uh-huh. I think we've addressed this before, that you say mm-hmm. interesting when you don't have anything nice to say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, and, and Kirk takes it as a compliment until the teacher is like, well, it's too bad that, like, most of your facts were wrong. I was like, whoa. <laughs> okay. All right. Say, tell me how you really feel, Mr. Altman. Um, there's definitely a gentler way the teacher could have said that, but he did not. I mean, he's like, it was a pointless war. And Kirk, meanwhile, is like, well, if it was pointless and all those soldiers died for nothing. And the teacher is like, yes, Kirk. That's exactly what I'm telling you. They died for nothing. <laughs> Like, wow, Whoa. okay. Yeah, this this episode, this, see, this is what I mean about, like, this episode is some really heavy content. So, Mr. Altman doesn't normally give homework on the holiday. My class groans. And he's not gonna do it this time either. Hooray! Happy holiday weekend, everybody. It's Memorial Day weekend. Yay, and uh, Kirk stays behind and Mr. Altman's like, oh, I thought that you would have, you know, been out of here. Uh, but Kirk has a question for Mr. Altman, which is, do you think that the soldiers in Vietnam were killers? And he's like, yeah, some of them were. To which, like, I thought, I mean, you're talking to a 12-year-old right now, and it just, there there are softer ways that this teacher could be talking to this kid about these things, Um, where, like, at the very least, he could have said, like, some were and some weren't, but he leans hard onto the, like, yes, sadly, I think some of them were. And then he gives Kirk a book called Vietnam, The Real Story, which, to me, that title, this does not sound like a book you should be giving a 12-year-old. Right. I don't know if that's, like, a real book or not, but just from the title. (laughs) I don't know about age-appropriateness. But, like, what is age-appropriate to be teaching kids about the Vietnam War or, like, any recent conflict? I know. That's the question, isn't it? That's kind of the question that I feel like we'll uh, we'll discuss maybe at the end or if there's, like, an appropriate spot for a cul-de-sac during this discussion. Uh Uh-huh. And, like, (laughs) spoiler alert, I feel like this is a question that we're not going to answer. More a question that we're going to, like, wrestle with. Yeah. So we cut to Kirk, who is reading this book as he goes on his way home, and he reads about a soldier who was court-martialed for 22 counts of murder, Mm -hmm. and his first reaction is, my dad never would have killed innocent people, Mm -hmm. which I think this is our first inclination that his dad was even in a war. Yeah. 
And I think we can assume from context that it was the Vietnam War. Mm -hmm. I think we can also assume from context that his dad died in that war. Mm -hmm. Yeah, those are the thoughts that are going through his head when all of a sudden he is ambushed by a pack of wild children who are clearly his friends trying to have a good time with him. They're practicing their guerrilla warfare. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, there's like a lot of shouting and it's like confused shouting because kids are pretending to be attacking him, but then you can kind of hear that Kirk is not pretending to be upset with them Mm -hmm. until he finally like yells at them to cut it out and they all back off like, whoa, okay, sorry. And they want him to come and practice the battle for the Civil War that they're going to reenact. Mm -hmm. Which, can I just say, side note, why that war? Why that particular war for Memorial Day? Uh-huh. Good question. Uh, maybe Civil War reenactment is, like, a thing. Maybe it's because it's easier to do with no props? I'm just thinking a lot of other conflicts would have involved not just two lines of people running at each other, you know? Yeah. So it's like in World War II, you have like a lot more machinery involved. And in World War I, trenches and things like that. So maybe it's, maybe it's easier if you just need like costumes and fake guns. Yeah. Civil War and Revolutionary War. I was surprised it wasn't Revolutionary War mainly. Oh yeah, that's a good, yeah. Coulda, shoulda, woulda. <laughs> yeah. Maybe they vary it. Maybe they mix it up. It's a different war every year. Mm-hmm. That's, that's how we like it in Odyssey. Oh, no. We like to have our wars on rotation. <laughs> so, Kirk is not actually interested in doing this. In fact, he doesn't want to be in the reenactment at all, mm -hmm. even though this was his idea. Mm-hmm. And they're all calling him commander, like, throughout this little interaction, and he tells them to stop doing that. Do you empathize with Kirk in this scene, tiny cul-de-sac? This feeling of, like, this has suddenly become a sore subject for me? Yeah. Yeah. That sucks. It's not fun. No, it's really not fun when you're, like, wrestling through something and then people are like, time to be happy about the thing that you're not happy about. <laughs> Yeah, it is painful. So, like, I feel for Kirk in this interaction. Poor Kirk. And the kids don't take it well. Or I feel like most of them do, but one kid takes it too far and is like, what's your problem? Like, you were so obsessed with war and, like, your dad. What's the thing? You find out that your dad wasn't the big hero you thought he was. And Kirk punches him. Yeah, they fight. And the kids break them all up. And then Kirk is like, all right, let me go. I'm getting out of here drops his book. The kids pick up the book like, hey, he dropped this. And they're like, ah, we'll just return it to him on Tuesday. Which, I mean, Tatiana was paying attention to the episode, but this was the first time that I was like, oh, Tuesday, because Monday is holiday. <laughs> <laughs> Slow on the uptake. The next scene is Wit's End, where Connie and Wit are getting all this ice cream together. And Connie is like, what's the deal? Why are we making so much ice cream? Well, we have to stock up for the big picnic on Monday. It's the big Memorial Day Odyssey tradition. We all have a big old picnic, and there's a battle reenactment. And this year they're going to reveal a brand new memorial for the Vietnam War for veterans. I think it's to for... commemorate Odyssey locals who fought in the war. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's this great thing, and he's telling Connie about it, and then in come the boys... 
And Wit's like, oh, hey, here they are. Like, uh, you'll have to talk to Kirk about it. Like, he's kind of the, like, impetus behind a lot of this stuff. And the boys are like, nope, you won't. Yep, He's not, not doing it. Not no more. And this is a big surprise to Wit, who always, you know, knows what all of the kids are into and up to. Mm-hmm. And Wit's like, okay, so what, what happened? What's wrong? And they're like, uh, we don't know. Maybe he just didn't like what the teacher had to say about the Vietnam War. Mm-hmm. He stayed behind to talk about it, so we don't know what they said. Mm-hmm. And Connie is, like, weirdly, insensitively not reading the room right now <laughs> by being like, or, you know, maybe he just decided that he's, like, not into it anymore. She was like, maybe he's just not as patriotic as you thought he That's was. That's the thing. It was like, whoa, patriotic Connie, yikes. <laughs> You don't need to question his patriotism just because he, like, doesn't want to do the battle anymore. Tact of a bulldozer, she said herself at one point in Odyssey history. Accurate. Not so long ago. And, uh, boy, boy, does Wit bring down the mood being like, Connie, Kirk's dad died in Vietnam. Oh. Yeah, Con- Connie is uh, sad to hear that. Is that the end of the scene? Mm-hmm. All right. We go to... Kirk's room that night. His mom is bringing him up supper, but he's not hungry. Mm-hmm. Empathize with that feeling, too. And, uh, yeah, she asks him about the book. Still thinking about the book. And, uh, she feels bad. This is very interesting to me. Oh, yeah? She moved to the small town in the hopes that it would help insulate Kirk against all the negative feelings surrounding the Vietnam War. I'm surprised she thought a small town would help her escape that yeah i have a lot of questions about this and i feel like a lot of them are unanswerable by me somebody who grew up on the coast of california in the 90s and 2000s you know what i mean yeah like we're talking about a different culture different time like attitudes around the vietnam war were like less of a cultural presence Mm -hmm. in my growing up so why does it surprise you that she would have thought the small town would be, I don't know, less opinionated. Just in my own experience with small towns, because I did not grow up in a small town, but I have a lot of family who did. Mm -hmm. Opinions are just as strong, if not stronger, (laughs) in small town communities, and you're more likely to hear them. (laughs) I feel like that's very true about Odyssey, since we're very about Odyssey. The thing about Odyssey, I think it becomes clear through the rest of this episode, is that I think she expected Odyssey to have, like, the opposite feeling. Like, I think she expected Odyssey to have very positive things to say about the Vietnam... Not, not the Vietnam conflict so much as the the people who were involved. Yeah, that's true. Can we assume that this teacher who is new to the school we learn as of this year mm-hmm. from a big city? Yeah, 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 yeah. Of course. <laughs> so, Kirk asks his mom to tell him the story again of the last time... She saw her husband, his father. Y'all want to cry? <laughs> Listen to this scene, guys. Uh, yeah, she tells him in this very sweet way of a relatable way, the way that parents will divulge family history to children. Mm-hmm. It becomes like a family mythology. And tells him about how they, they were both in Saigon and uh, she was his secretary and he was a Marine, her husband. And that was how they met, and they were married there, and the last time that she saw him, though, was on a helicopter pad, as he was helping a Vietnamese woman and her baby into the helicopter. 
he stayed on the ground to help with the evacuation while he got her into a helicopter mm -hmm. so that she could safely escape. Mm -hmm. And uh, she watched him hold the baby for an extra long time. And she said, you know, I hadn't gotten the chance to tell him that you were on the way, but I feel like he knew somehow because of the way that he held that baby. Man! Oh. Stop it, Odyssey. No. <laughs> this is a fun show for children, not a sad show for adults. <laughs> Over the course of hearing this story, though, Kirk has fallen asleep. Which is somehow even sadder to me. <laughs> He's probably heard this story a lot. I know, that's what makes it precious. And uh, I guess we, we transition into a dream sequence that is really well done. Starts out with the kids trying to get him to come play Marines with him, and he's like, no, no, I don't want to. They're echoing the, like, the sort of the fantasy that he had at the beginning of the episode, like the kind of thing that he dreams of, but instead of the voices of soldiers, it's like the voices of his friends pretending. Mm -hmm. uh, and then we hear in a courtroom, his father, Stephen McGinty, is being found guilty of murder. And the one finding him guilty is his teacher. Mm -hmm. And Kirk, Kirk shouts, no, he wasn't a murderer, he was a soldier. Oh, and the end of the dream sequence? Mm -hmm. Oh mm -hmm. man, that part was really sad. He sees his dad. And uh, they talk to each other, and he asks his dad in a battlefield whether or not he was a murderer. And the dad doesn't give him a straight answer. He just helps him escape into a helicopter after holding him and tells him repeatedly that I love you. And then fade out on the teacher's quote from class that day, they all died for nothing. Mm -hmm. What a nightmare. Kirk wakes up crying. Who wouldn't? What an awful dream. That's also our mid-episode. Yep. Mid-episode drama point. I mean, mortal peril did happen in the dream. Yeah, I guess so. Right, we were about to have a nice conflict between Mr. Whitaker and Mr. Altman as Wit is knocking on the teacher's door at his house, presumably. I, I guess so. I'm like, how'd you find his address? It's a small town. It's a small town. Every You know. Everybody knows where everybody's at. And he's come to talk to the teacher, and they go inside, and he's like... Hey, let's talk about Kirk. Mm -hmm. Mr. Altman's like, oh yeah, he's a really bright kid. Fun little fact also, when Mr. Altman meets Mr. Whitaker, he's like, oh, you're that person that the kids are always talking about. You oh, must yeah. be that, Mr. Whitaker. <laughs> mm -hmm. The one that he, all the kids know and knows all the kids. Mm -hmm. And Whit shows the book to the teacher, the one that the kids gave to him. Like, mm -hmm. hey, did you give this to him? Are you sure that was a wise move? Wits Wits got his like confrontation hat on right now. Oh yeah. It doesn't always come out, but it's out right now. I can't help but feel that part of this is because of his own involvement mm -hmm. in the Vietnam War and like his experience with his son. Mm-hmm. So Yeah. Which very interestingly does not come up in this scene, but it is a massive elephant in the room that like we the audience know through dramatic irony. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yes, he confronts him about it, and the teacher gets a bit defensive, like, well, like, to be frank, I don't think I have to defend my teaching techniques to you. Mr. Altman makes a point, too, in his defense that uh, he thought Kirk had an unrealistic view of mm -hmm, the conflict mm -hmm. and felt it was important to set him straight. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it almost feels like a non-sequitur that Wit responds, well... 
you know, honor, duty, and heroism still mean something here. Yeah, I completely agree about the non sequitur thing. That's what it felt like in the scene. It's like, what is your argument, Mr. Whitaker? Like, are you two... Are you two actually at odds? Like, you're not... I think sentimentally they are. They're clearly coming at it from different emotions. Mm -hmm. But, like, that's not an argument against what Mr. Altman says. Kirk needed to be set straight in his opinions about the war. And Witt is very strongly implying that Mr. Altman does not value these things. Right. Um, I think it's interesting it's occurring to me now that we don't actually know the content of Kirk's report. Yeah, we don't. So we don't know what his interpretation of the Vietnam War even is, aside from maybe we extrapolate from his fantasies that he kind of thinks all wars are, like, grand adventures. Mm -hmm. And in that sense, I sympathize with the teacher and agree with him. Yeah. That, I mean, it, it's important not to teach kids that wars are grand adventures or to teach them that wars are not grand adventures. What's, what's less confusing? <laughs> Both makes sense. I think what's at the root of this is basically like about to be revealed, which is that Witt and Mr. Altman both have experiences with the Vietnam War and came to different conclusions because of it. Mm -hmm. So we don't we don't hear Witt's side in this scene, but we now learn that Mr. Altman has a side to the story. But I think first Witt reveals to him as like sort of a so there kind of moment. Like, did you know that Kirk's father died in Vietnam? Yeah. He doesn't do it in the most Mr. Whitakerly way that no. he could have. I think this is, again, kind of approaching a blind spot because it mm -hmm. has to do with his family. Yeah, you're right. You're totally right. He's different when it comes to issues with his own family. Uh, but Mr. Altman is very sobered by that fact and then reveals that his brother was killed in Vietnam. Says, like, oh, you sound like my brother when you talk about honor and duty and heroism and all these things. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, his brother was an artist who was killed, and Mr. Allman sounds bitter about it. Such he a waste. Mm -hmm. And he's like, so I can't let Kirk keep his visions of battlefield glory. And I'm kind of like, yeah, actually. <laughs> I know. That's why this episode's so interesting. I think that there is an important distinction that needs to be made between glorifying the battle itself mm -hmm. and honoring the people who selflessly sacrifice themselves to like try and help people. That's what I wish the core of this episode was about because I feel like that's what Kirk and the audience need to take away from it. And I think mm -hmm. Odyssey does land in a good place about it, but it's not quite that clear that that's the point. Yeah. If that makes sense. But yes, something about separating the conflict itself from the individual people and the individual choices that they made mm -hmm. and the lives that they led leading up to it and after it or the sacrifices that they made. Um, if, if Altman is bitter, what is wit about pa this? Patriotic? Yes, true. But is that patriotism like out of sadness, out of anger, out of grief? I think grief. Yeah, in a way, it just, it just seems like Wit's grief is just sort of a raw emotion that, not raw in the sense that it's, like, fresh, but raw in the sense that it's pure. Mm-hmm. Whereas Mr. Altman, I think his grief made him bitter about this. Yeah. That's what I'm trying to say about their differences. 
Um, and once again, though, Wit takes no opportunity to point out, like, I also have lost a person to this very conflict, by the by. Like, if anybody, I feel like he has quite the right to say, like, oh yeah, Kirk's dad, and also, by the way, that's my son you're talking about. Mm-hmm. So I find it interesting. It is very Mr. Whitakerly, though, to care more about the kid, you know? Yeah. And say, like, you, you're doing a really dangerous thing by shattering this kid's only impression of his father. Yeah. Rather than being like, you're saying something mean about my son. I feel like this is one of the... This is like cul-de-sac, but... Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like this is one of the areas where... <sighs> education is not really equipped to handle these individual instances of like every child's relationship to war mm-hmm. where you can only do the best you can do for everyone in the class as a whole mm-hmm. when you're teaching these things and try to have sort of a measured take about what war does mm-hmm. <laughs> and like the consequences of it and also like talk about the the part that people play in like protecting other people but like don't leave out the the darker parts of it so it this is kind of a messy off the dome off the dome kind of thought is just that i feel like mr altman is doing what he thinks he thinks is best Mm -hmm. given what he is tasked with which is preparing children to enter a world that is very messy And, like, give them Mm clear-headedness about things that they're going to experience. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And there's a part of me that's like, how much is it his responsibility to know the, like, history that this kid has with the war? Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's just, like, yes, important to, like, be cognizant of what kids are going through and try to help them on an individual basis but also like there is a whole classroom to take care of mm-hmm. yes teachers do an incredible amount of work we ask so much of them in this country like in public education at least mm-hmm. um i think yeah you're right that said there's still a way that he could just be more tactful in person yes. than, than he was in the first scene. But I think knowing that his brother died in Vietnam kind of sheds some more light on it. Like when he says, yes, all those soldiers died for nothing. That's not him just being an intellectual. That's him thinking like, my brother died for nothing. And I wish that he hadn't because he thinks that it was a waste of human life, as he says in this scene. So it's kind of maybe coming out of a blind spot for him. Mm -hmm. Maybe when you, when something is personal to you, you can forget that other people, you can forget that it's personal to others as well. Yeah. He probably isn't expecting a 12 year old to have such a personal connection to it at this point too, because like how many kids had their dad die before they were born like that, you know? Yeah. So timing wise, it's kind of a rare thing. Like fairly unlikely. Mm -hmm. I just feel like it's easier to be insensitive about something when you yourself are like, well, it's personal to me, so I'm allowed to say these kinds of things. Yeah, I think that's true. Do we want to say anything about Mr. Whitaker's line about destroying a 12-year-old's image of his father? I feel like it was an interesting choice of words on Wit's part that were definitely coming out of his own grief. We have to remember, too, that this is focus on the family. 
And the family is most important. Yeah, the family is very prized by this this organization that produced Odyssey, like specifically the nuclear family. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the parent-child relationship, father-son, mother-son, mother-father, sibling-sibling, like those are the relationships that are heavily featured and mm-hmm. explored in Adventures in Odyssey. So I feel like that maybe is also like a another like sort of meta textual layer mm-hmm. on this scene and this this line from wit you know that it's uh, i guess the statement that they're making basically is that it's very important that kids have s- some sort of sense of security in who their parents are to the extent that that's possible i mean that's probably true in terms of like healthy childhood development mm mm-hmm. mhm mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I guess Wit is right. It's not wise to go telling a kid, like, your parents sucks. Yeah. I think I would have said something like, just be careful what you say because those words will have an impact on this kid beyond what you think they will. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for the rest of his life, you know, he has no relationship with his father other than basically what we teach about this war. Mm-hmm. very very central to his identity basically and this relationship that's been lacking from his life you know i think those things are all implied by what wit said maybe that's like the core of what he meant mm-hmm. rather than just like don't don't you dare shatter a child's idea of what his father is I mean, that's the thing that this episode kind of grapples with, too, is, like, we don't know. We never actually find out. I think it's abundantly clear that Kirk's dad wasn't, like, an evil person. Based purely on the accounts we have from his mother. Mm-hmm. Yeah. People are knowable through other people to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, Kirk will never know what his dad did, like, all the experiences that his dad had in war. And that's something that you gotta live with. Yeah, you never know what someone had to do while under orders. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or in, like, a bad situation. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Sometimes there are no good options. Yeah. I think I think at any any war, this is safe to say that there were no good options. <laughs> <laughs> and thus, war. Uh-huh. We transition out of that scene into Memorial Day and the celebrations post- Civil War reenactment in which the kids busted the sprinklers. <laughs> Thank you, Boy Scout troop. <laughs> um, so uh, the the announcer calls up onto the stage Kirk and his mom to, you know, cut the ribbon for this new memorial. But first he wants them to say a few words. Yes, please. And Kirk uh, has nothing to say. Oh, a little shy today, I guess. Mm-hmm. Huh? That's fine. It doesn't. It's not like uh, painful or anything. It's like, oh, okay, that's fine. He's a twelve-year-old. He doesn't need to give a big old speech. Yeah. But his mom wants to read something, which is uh, the last letter or one of the last letters she received from Kirk's dad during the war. In this letter. Kirk's dad essentially says, "You know, some of the bad things." they're gonna say about this war they're true Mm -hmm. yeah he's like that's that's how war is and i'm not saying that as an excuse but i've seen grateful people and i wish that people could talk to the people who are so thankful for the help that we've given them Mm -hmm. and uh the price of freedom title drop Mm -hmm. is worth paying basically because of those people who are helped 
And then Miss McGinty says, they paid that price for us. Mm-hmm. So let this remind us of their sacrifice. And then she gives it over to Kirk to cut the ribbon. Which he does. And now we have Mr. Whitaker, Kirk, and Miss McGinty. And uh, the teacher comes over as well. I think Kirk apologizes for his behavior to his mom, which I'm like, I feel like, I don't know what you did wrong. You were being sad. Mm-hmm. I mean, go see our episode, The Clothes Don't Make the Dog, in which we talk about how our society raises boys and uh, a toxic masculinity and all these things. Ostensibly to me, this is just a child apologizing for being sad, which is sad to me. Yeah. At least his mom is quick to say, like, you don't need to apologize Mm -hmm. because this is kind of expected. This is what happens when you grow up. You start questioning the things that you just believed on faith as a kid, and that's Mm -hmm. that's normal. Yeah, that's normal, and that's okay. Um, Now Mr. Altman comes over, and he apologizes to Kirk for not handling things well in the classroom. So sometimes teachers just want to get their point across so much that they say things that they shouldn't. Which I think was really good of him. Yeah. And I appreciate that he doesn't say, and I was wrong. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. That's a direction that they could have taken it in this episode. I feel like going into it, what you, that's like kind of the thing that you might anticipate happening. Mm -hmm. Is there being like a clear cut sort of like either you support the soldiers and are patriotic or you're a cynical intellectual coastal elite. (laughs) He's obviously moved here from California. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He came here from Berkeley or (laughs) Santa Cruz or something. (laughs) And then Mr. Altman turns to Wit, and he's like, hey, so uh, two of the names on that monument stood out to me. And the first one... Eric Altman, his brother. Oh, Oh. a single tear (laughs) rolls from the audience's cheeks. He's like, thank whoever it was that did that, Mm because, you know, it's strange. He didn't grow up here or live here mm-hmm. ever. Yeah, but we did that as a sign of including Mr. Altman in this community, and that's so beautiful. Mm-hmm. And he did that before he ever heard Mr. Altman apologize or do anything, clearly. Clearly he had them add the name to the memorial mm-hmm. before he knew that the teacher wasn't going to double down. Uh, the second name that he saw was Jerry Whitaker. And what's like, yeah. That was my son. Mm-hmm. And now, now we realize, and they kind of connect over their uh, grief. And so, you know, it never gets easier, does it? It's like, no, but Mm-mm. that's what makes days like today so special. Thank you, Mr. Whitaker. Wit's gonna treat him to an ice cream. Yeah, and they walk off together. And that's the episode. Chris has some wisdom for us that I really like. It's difficult to tell sometimes who's right in a war. Unlike the Old Testament, where God basically told the Israelites exactly when to attack and when not to. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, but unlike those times, you know, we we don't know the the right and wrong all the time now, but the one thing that is consistent is that God is always in control. Mm -hmm. Very comforting. And acknowledging the messiness. Acknowledging the messiness is something that I feel like Odyssey does more often than I expect it to. (laughs) Right? Uh, it's it's kind of a pleasant surprise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they don't come down super hard on, like I said, on those those coastal elites who are really bitter mm-hmm. and I don't know unpatriotic. 
But then Odyssey also refrains from actually taking a stance on the Vietnam War, which I feel like, how can you in an episode of a kid's show? And maybe even like, how can you in general on something that's so complex? Mm-hmm. I feel like we do have modern equivalents to this. Boy, don't we. <laughs> I feel like this episode was was making me feel a lot of feelings about the current conflict and, and or the state of Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. That's maybe the one that's close to home for America right now. Yeah. Because the Taliban is currently in control of the country. Mm-hmm. And... That's something that a lot of, I mean, I know I personally know people who were deeply involved and whose families were deeply affected, and uh, it's hard not to feel like it was a waste. Because you put all this time and effort into trying to help, mm -hmm. and then all that work is undone in a matter of days. Mm -hmm. It's like, what do you do with that? I feel like it's... Maybe the lesson we can take from this episode is that it doesn't negate the good that was done by the people who were there at the time. Mm -hmm. It's like time marches on, bad things continue happening in the world, but... Yeah, on on like a macro scale, large groups of humans behave evilly. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like, I mean, there's a lot of this in the Bible where you just see, like, the constant, like, push and pull of nations getting the upper hand of each other and, you know, sacking each other's cities and taking each other captive and it's like, oh, another generation later and they're, you know, they've made an, a, a pact and they're allies and they're sending each other horses or whatever and it's just it's incredibly messy and it does feel incredibly fruitless if you look at it on that macro scale something that's been giving me a lot of comfort though is like you said remembering that the things that are done in love are eternal mm -hmm. and not just like love like the sentiment but like you know real acts of love that are in tune with god's spirit mm -hmm. righteousness small things it's very Lord of the Rings also. Gandalf says, you know, like, the things that keep the dark at bay aren't these grand heroic gestures. It's the small acts of everyday people who are just good people. Yeah. It's like the same reason that we all love hearing or seeing stories of, like, a town banding together to rescue someone out of a well mm -hmm. or stories of people in a hurricane coming through on boats and pulling people out of their homes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's hard to, sometimes it's really hard to believe that those things actually matter, you know? Because mm -hmm. it's hard not to see, like, the, the macro scale. Man, and especially see, today. Yeah, especially today. It's like these people, you know, who live in this country, like, their lives are, like, at the mercy of who's in control. I guess that's kind of true for <laughs> for everyone, just like you forget yeah. that in America because we're, we have a democracy mm -hmm. and we have, we have voices that matter. Uh, you know, we, we get to we get to self-determine for a, quite a lot of things. Yeah. And then... Uh, for yeah. good or ill. Yeah, for good or ill. <laughs> but then you have the majority of human history and most places and most people throughout all time and space who, you know, their lives are like, I want to have a nice, quiet life with my family and my community, but people with more power than me at any point could come in and absolutely ruin it. <laughs> Mm -hmm. 
And I feel like that's what's happened to a lot of people in Afghanistan. It's really crushing. Yeah. I feel like we also forget the kind of moment we live in right now. The world that we live in is so different from the majority of human history. Mm -hmm. The amount of interconnectivity is completely unprecedented. Mm -hmm. And like the amount of freedom most people have around the world is also unprecedented. And I think we're still figuring out what to do with that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> still learning. Yeah. Doesn't make it any less sad when when people have their freedoms taken away from them. No. Um. But yeah, it's like, you gotta remember like, oh yeah, this is like the norm for us as a species. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Being mean to each other. <laughs> Oh, it does make one appreciate more what we have, though. Yeah, it does. And it spurs it, it spurs me, at least, to pray. As believers, I hope that that is our response mm -hmm. to tragedies like this. And I'm sure that's what the church was doing in yeah. response to Vietnam. You know, I feel like it's the kind of thing where I don't know if we on an individual basis are so much called to understand. So I think that's the thing about these kinds of conflicts, that this Odyssey episode doesn't, like, tell you what to think about Vietnam, but it's, like, we feel kind of a pressure to, like, have an opinion about Afghanistan, too, about, like, yeah. you know, did they did they make the right decisions? Whose fault is this? Kind of thing. And it's, like, the world is far too complex mm -hmm. for that to have a knowable answer. I think there are many people who are much smarter and more uh equipped more, no yeah more equipped closer to the issue you know mm -hmm. read some articles from people who are much more deeply involved on like a uh sort of an executive scale mm -hmm. and people like that are even going to have differing opinions and it's like we're all like armchair pundits or whatever in this country, you know? We all have our own opinions and we, we like to broadcast them to yeah, the world. we feel really strongly like we know what the heck is going on. <laughs> I mean, that's what I'm trying to say. But surely we don't. <laughs> surely we don't know whose fault it is. I think you can point at some things and say like, this was a good decision, this was a bad decision. Mm -hmm. And like analyzing them like macro scale sort of systems in place that led to the the events i'm talking also about like the vietnam war mm -hmm. and and the afghanistan conflict but like thinking from a christian perspective are we called to be final arbiters of this i don't know i just feel like in some things it is wise to not have such a strongly held opinion to recognize that your opinion is not the deciding factor. Hold your opinions loosely. Yeah. Out of humility. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm trying to say. Hold your opinions loosely out of humility when it comes to things like this that are large and complex and don't involve you so much on like a day-to-day -day life sort of scope. And that's why I like that the Odyssey episode doesn't land really hard on an opinion about Vietnam. It's like they have the discussion, they show multiple viewpoints, mm -hmm. but they don't make any sort of claim. This episode is more about how to talk about these things than it is about the thing itself. Yeah. And in that, I think they succeed. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. 
Shall we, dare we, discussion questions? <laughs> oh, yes. There are four of them. I think we may have addressed some of them already, but there is a spicy one. Ooh. So question number one. Why is it important to remember those who have fought and died in wars? Ooh, I feel like there's a lot of reasons. Should we just name a few? The, the one that immediately comes to my mind is like, like the phrase, lest we forget. Mm -hmm. And it's like, you know, the cliche, like history will repeat itself kind of thing. It's like, you gotta learn from these conflicts. And I think the main thing that you can take away from any war is just the cost of human life. Like, remember the individual people who died. Mm -hmm. And it's like, uh, you can see like a gravestone or you can say like, oh, X number of people died in this battle. But like, if you really, really think about like, you know, nobody's got like this little kid and, you know, they're raising their little kid and nobody thinks like, and then he'll die in the war or something. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? I think about that sometimes. <laughs> It'd be kind of dark, but I do. Sometimes I think about like, I, don't know, I, I, also, I also think about that sometimes, I think because of knowing people who were drafted in family, mostly mm -hmm. grandparents, though. I feel like it's also good to remember individual people because we, when we try to think in terms of abstract numbers, mm -hmm. the larger the number, the harder it is for us to really feel anything about it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And if we know like the individual stories of people who were involved, that's going to connect more deeply with us. Mm -hmm. Those stories are going to stick with us and remind us about why the war was fought, why we try to avoid it. Mm -hmm. Second question is the spicy one. Ooh. Should Christians fight in wars? Why or why not? I'm going to tell you about two friends I had in college, one of whom was Mennonite and believed absolutely not that Christians should not participate in any kind of violence, I think up to and including self-defense. Wow. So we have that on the spectrum. And then uh, she was good friends with another friend of mine who was going to go into the Navy after college. <laughs> and they, I, I wish that I had been a fly on the wall for all the conversations that they must have had because I know that they talked to each other about these things very much. So that, that's not an answer to the question, but it's something that I think about sometimes. Uh, and then you have uh, hearkening back to our episode about spies. Yeah. Where uh, I guess the question that was on my mind back in college when I was friends with these two women was, one way to look at that is, do you think that America should have a military with no Christians in it? Mm-hmm. And that question <laughs> is hard to answer. Maybe just for me. Maybe some people are like, are you out of your mind? Every soldier should be a Christian. <laughs> like, okay, in that sense, yes. <laughs> like, you want everybody to believe, you know? But, um, boy, that's a hard question to answer. I guess uh, the Holy Spirit guides us in our life to make these decisions. And, like, who who is to say, like, to somebody, like, no, that was the wrong decision to go into the military. That wasn't God's leading for your life. Mm -hmm. That's how I at least feel as somebody who has not been in the military. I think, I mean, I'm of the opinion that violence is the last resort. And mm -hmm. I think most people would agree with that. Mm -hmm. That, like, barring all other avenues of reconciliation that's like why we end up with wars is because no one can resolve the differences 
in a peaceful way. I mean, that's a great simplification. <laughs> by, I know. By definition. <laughs> kind of. Kind of. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I really, I kind of agree it has to be a spirit-led thing. Right. That's like something like this question is asking like a, on a macro scale, but I think the answer is on a micro scale. Mm-hmm. Like me personally, I don't think I should ever be in a war. <laughs> Why is that? I mean, first, I'm not very strong. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you could pilot a mech suit. <laughs> uh, and two, I just, I don't know. It's it's a feeling. It's a feeling. It's you know in your heart that I you know can't in my be heart war that it would not be a good thing i mean of course subject to change right and you're also talking about if it was your choice mm -hmm. what if you were drafted if i were drafted i would go because we are called to obey the government yeah yeah and also circumstantially because we are not called to obey authority to the extent that we would sin yes yeah i guess it would depend then on the conflict. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's what makes this Vietnam War thing so thorny because there's a lot of debate over whether it was a moral conflict to be a part of in the first place mm -hmm. or whether it was just a waste. We're not equipped to talk about that. Not at all. Not at all. But spirit, you would be led by the spirit if you were drafted. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think that's what it really comes down to is it's just like I, in my human understanding, have like no way of knowing what to do <laughs> so it's a great way of putting the human experience and adulthood <laughs> i as a human have no idea what to do <laughs> yeah i guess just rely on a lot of prayer and on the leading of the spirit mm -hmm. next question uh -huh. yeah so question three what kind of freedom do you have as a citizen Ooh, so much we talked a little bit about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, just like self-determination, I guess. Like the right to choose who represents us to the rest of the group. Mm -hmm. Also, we have the freedom to have our different opinions about war. We sure do. Boy, yeah, I guess you could just like go down the, the, the amendments <laughs> and the, the Bill of Rights. <laughs> Got a lot of rights. And also, I mean, like we're a, um, we're a statutory law culture where our law works based on the exact written word. And we have so many words. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, from federal to state to local, you know, all the way down the chain. So we all have like a lot of, of rights and freedoms. But yeah, I think not least of which is our freedom to have and express different opinions. Not all opinions. No. Some opinions are objectively evil and are not protected by those laws. Is libel? No, libel is a crime. <laughs> I, by which I mean, is libel one of those that's not protected? <laughs> yeah, libel is... I just didn't finish the thought. <laughs> oh, you were making a statement, not asking a question? <laughs> it sounded like you were asking. Uh, I, I'm sorry, I just feel like that's an important thing to point out. Because yes. sometimes people get confused about what freedom of speech is it's and means. It's free speech. It's free speech. <laughs> oh, should we go to the final one? Yeah. What kind of freedom do you have in Jesus Christ? Ooh, so much more. 
I feel like there are there are many and various, but I feel like the freedom that I'm thinking about that I have in Jesus is freedom from a lot of needs that would otherwise sort of control your life. Mm-hmm. Um, like the for one thing that I think about a lot is the need to be understood because of that one song that we haven't sung in church for a long time but it's like deliver me from and like a long list of things you know from the need to be understood and from the need to be accepted Mm -hmm. yeah it's like things that you wouldn't even think would control you but that totally do and not saying that i always live into that freedom like sometimes you forget that you're free yeah see our episode on salvation bucks (laughs) because i feel like that's also uh uh, relevant, you know, the freedom to forgive because we've been forgiven of everything. Like we're very rich in grace. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. That was, that was a handful of thoughts. Yeah. Did you say freedom from sin? No, I didn't say freedom from sin. We That's have freedom from sin. <laughs> yeah, freedom from sin, and also freedom from the law, which was uh, served its purpose in its time. Yeah. Um, but I'm glad that I can eat a goat cooked in its mother's milk. <laughs> <laughs> When's the last time you did that? Beef stroganoff. Ah! I know it's not a goat, but like, yeah, meat with cream. Yeah. It's excellent. That's true. Like a cream sauce on top. I'm realizing now that if people are not super familiar with the the mosaic law, then this is going <laughs> to be a wild ride of a conversation, but... I mean, also, I like wearing fabric that's more than one material. Yeah, it's softer. Mm-hmm. I mean, don't knock cotton, but, like, polyester. <laughs> polyester doesn't breathe, and oh. it will turn into plastic if you... Bite uh, it? No, if you heat it too much. I don't know why I said bite it. What's a good material that's more than one material? Uh, there are cotton blends mm-hmm. that are natural fibers. What is this flannel? Probably polyester. Ah, that's why I'm so warm. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing, though. Polyester, I have many thoughts about the garment industry that I'm not going to get into because I am a sewist. I make some of my own clothes. And in, like, learning how to do that uh, in sort of an ethical way, I have absorbed a lot of knowledge lot about of- the garment industry. <laughs> knowledge and opinions. Knowledge I'm and opinions. Sorry, I was just trying to talk about Levitical law <laughs> or whatever. Uh, I will not regale you. Can regale me later. But, uh, 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 yeah, no, good point. Yeah, freedom from sin and also from the the law that was serving as a teacher thinking about Galatians. Yeah, because now we have the spirit to teach us instead. Mm-hmm. And the Bible. Mm-hmm. Cool, that's a bunch. Was that f- all four questions? That was all four questions. Nice. Um, I feel like we already kind of did final thoughts. I do, too. We We talked a lot. We talked a lot. Good thing that this is a podcast and that that's our entire role here is to talk a lot. <laughs> Man, um, I hope that uh, in some ways we've done the subject justice. I hope that uh, the audience, you appreciate our sort of stream of consciousness ramblings about these really difficult subjects. Um, if you have any thoughts about this uh, or anything that we've talked about today, serious or otherwise, send us an email to podventuresandodyssey at gmail.com or start a thread on our Reddit. It's r slash podventuresandodyssey. 
next week, please join us for A Prisoner for Christ. I think we're getting another Imagination Station episode, and I am excited. It's about time. Yay. All right, cool. That will be our next, and until then, thank you all for joining us on today's Pod Adventure in Odyssey. Catch you later, cat's paws. Hello and welcome to Advent. Wow. It's been too long. It's been too long. <laughs>